Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Happy Halloween, everyone. Almost. It's Halloween week. I can't wait. And if you are a frequent listener to Book Lights, you know that it's becoming tradition that the final Monday before Halloween, Doug Clegg comes to visit. So I'm so excited. (laughs) If you have never read a Douglas Clegg book, you are in for such a spooky treat. And right now, this week is the perfect week to dive in and read one because if you start today, you might be finished by Halloween and be all in the spooky spirit. So I'll read his bio here so you can get to know him. Douglas Clegg is a writer of imaginative dark fiction, including horror, gothic, fantasy, supernatural, and suspense thrillers. He's been a professional novelist since he signed his first book contract with Simon & Schuster in 1987. He considers much of his horror fiction as being on the surrealistic side of the equation, venturing into the logic of nightmare and dream. His books have been published worldwide and translated in various editions, and his short fiction has won the Bram Stoker Award, the International Horror Guild Award, and the Shocker Award. He's also been included in several year's best anthologies. You can contact him and sign up for his newsletter over on his website. I did put a link there on the Blog Talk site. If you're listening live or listening later, you can click that, sign up for his newsletter. Also, he has a Patreon, and I put a link for that as well. And that gives you a little closer access and maybe some insider information and all that kind of thing. So be sure you go check that out. And I don't want to delay anymore. Doug, are you there? I am here. You can hear me, right? Yay! I can hear you. You sound fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) That's good because I... (laughs) Go ahead. I feel weird going into into Halloween right now because I feel like when you said Halloween, I'm like, we have not gotten the decorations up yet. (laughs) (gasps) No, no. You're going to be busy this week. (laughs) Well, you know, last week there weren't that many kids because of COVID. Um, the pandemic right. year, going, ongoing pandemic, endless year. Um, there were, because of COVID, we didn't have very many kids at all. We had a few. We had a few neighborhood kids that came up, but we ended up with so much candy. It was insane. We gave huge bags to a neighbor who has three kids. We were like, I know this is really bad for your kids, but here's all our candy. But I think, but I think <laughs> they froze the poison. Them, I think she, no, I think she apportioned it out. I was really happy with I, I, how that was distributed there. So I was like, oh, good. But, yeah, very few kids, and so we're not really in the spirit this year. I'm Talking to you is getting me in the spirit because I'm like, oh, it's Halloween. i got to get into this. This is my favorite holiday. Right? Me too. And I decorated even though we didn't have very many kids last year either. But I feel like and, – and in my neighborhood, I'm the only Halloween-y person. So I've got all these decorations out. I have ghouls hanging from the tree. But everyone seems to like it who comes up and says, oh, I love all your decorations. I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> but I think, but I think those since, are perfect. Yeah, yeah, right? You got to. It's It's – the best holiday of the year. Um, (laughs) But since we last talked, you had the faces came out, and people who don't know what you're up to might go, where are the new books for this year? But you've been working on super secret things that you can't really talk about, but do you want to tell everybody what you've been up to? Because you're still writing. Yeah, sure. It's it's insane. Listen, I am – so so first I want to preface this briefly with a recap, which is this. 
I spent about 25 to 28 years writing fiction and, and getting books published. And then I, I spent some time because I was older and it was, I, we were able to do it, sort of pull back and I got my, most of my, in fact, all my books back eventually to republish under my own imprint that my husband and I run, um, Alcamara Press. And so we did that and that took time because there was a learning curve. And I pulled back from a lot of writing, although I kept writing some short stories and some novellas. And The Faces last year was a novella. Um, and I'm very, actually very proud of that story because I think it's a, one of my better ones. And, uh, but, but in the meantime, I, I don't, I feel like I've been lazy, but I've been writing the entire time that I've taken time off from publishing. So I've, I've spent the last eight or nine years actually writing fiction, but not taking it out to publish it. Um, always having it within a hair's, hair's breadth of being finished. Uh, why I didn't finish, I, you know, it's where I can't say. I, it's almost like I didn't have the drive to want to get published, uh, to push it out into publication yet. But so what happened last year was, this, I know that's a long story. Poof. So uh, an old, old friend who is a major talent in Hollywood in the uh, producing, directing in documentaries area, contacted me, someone we, we both knew we both knew each other when we were young and I was living in Hollywood and, and at a certain point working in Hollywood when I was in my mid-20s. And, um, you know, and he just said, listen, do, would you ever want to work on scripts, uh, feature scripts? And, he, he, and so we worked out a way to partner together and I've been working on scripts and I've been learning, um, I've really been learning the craft of script writing as well as on the job writing some scripts. But what happened almost three weeks after that friend called me was suddenly a, a major director who I'm, I can't mention. I, I feel uncomfortable mentioning him at this I moment. I know, it's super secret. But wonder, wonder, <laughs> yeah, wonderful guy, wonderful guy. And I also knew him when he was in his early 20s and I was about 40, and he was a fan of horror. So, and then he went on to become a movie director, which is like the ideal, ideal thing for right? novelist to go, oh, great. Somebody who actually contacted me because they were a young person loving my fiction goes on to become a movie director. And he wanted to take my um, novella Purity and make a movie of it and have me write the script. So I worked on that. We, I wrote a, a, a surprisingly good script. He gave me phenomenal notes. My, um, my partner in crime gave me phenomenal notes, and we put that together. And it was almost going to be made. So as of last April, March, somewhere in there. Um, that movie was completely set, produced, ready to go. Like it wasn't filmed yet, so it wasn't completely produced. All the pre-production was done. We had locations, we had budget, we had storyboards, we had um, the film editor on board, the director of photography, I think, was on board. I'm not really sure. And a few, and, and maybe three or four actors of the leads had committed. And wow. I won't mention their names because because essentially one of them and their agent pulled out last minute and that shut everything down. And as a result, Yay. that's now on hold. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Believe me, I think the week before oh. I went to my Facebook page and I said, I can't tell everything about this, but it looks like purity's, purity will be made into a movie soon. And then literally two days later, they shut it down. So, um, <laughs> um, Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, every time I see that actor in something, I'm like, uh, you, you, but it's not his fault. I mean, it really, it really, no, it really is the way things go. And it, it moves very fast. Most scripts, I mean, there's some great scripts out there, and it'll take 10 years for them to get to the screen. Right, so it, it's right. A very, it's a much slower business than New York publishing is. So um, uh, that went, and then I was working on this adaptation of a really great novel 
again, I don't want to mention it yet because I feel like I'm jinxing it just as the script is going out. Um, but a really great novel, but not by me, uh, a, a novelist I've admired my entire um, young adult to adult life in horror. And I'm very honored to have been the person working with my friend, Laurent, adapting the script. So I, I, my partner on this. And so um, uh, Laurent Bouzereau is his name. Laurent Bouzereau, I can't really pronounce it as well in French as obviously he can. And... Um, <laughs> And so, and so that, that also, I mean, I was doing some rewrites on it, revisions. We, we went back and forth on notes and really have been fine-tuning it. But as of today, um, it looks like it will be going out very soon. And so that will be making rounds. Sorry, that's a long story, and I probably took up half the show just telling it. <laughs> no, I think it's really been, exciting. Yeah, and what's been fun, and I'm, I'm working on a gothic script now while I'm working on the novel or novella, short novel of the same while I'm writing it, because now what script format has taught me and writing the script is not the same as writing a novel, obviously, but one of the most amazing things to me about writing these scripts is it forces you to um, focus so hard on the internal logic of the story in the midst of writing it. It almost feels like I'm opened up another part of my brain and it really has helped me relook at fiction uh, in a different way. So that, to me, is the gift of this, that whatever happens to the movies, you know, a lot of movies never get made, a lot of scripts never get made, but whatever happens with that, what I've learned from this is enormous, and I've had the most amazing instructors. I've had these seasoned producers and directors and um, uh, documentarians and people who work on features calling me uh, all the time, and we talk back and forth, and it's as if I feel like I just went to film school. And I've been very lucky for that because to have all these people in my court to, to actually be backing me has been amazing, at, certainly at my age and after the experience I've had writing novels, which is, as you know, it's a whole different world. Right, right. And it sounds like it will, um, with that many people in your corner, eventually we should see a Doug Clegg movie, right? I, I think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, I think that the the – well, ultimately, if you get enough work out there, something's going to happen. That's true with books too. If you keep that writing, it's people, who, it's <laughs> yes. people who stop. It's people who stop writing that that's the problem, and it's easy to be discouraged. Um, mm-hmm. With fiction, it's very easy to be discouraged. You have to absolutely have this one drive, and the drive is, come hell or high water, this is going to happen. You have to have a sense of inevitability, despite all the dis- despairing moments and the self-doubt moments. And every, I still have them after so many years of writing. I still look at some of my work and think, uh, I just can't do this. Is, why did I ever think I could be a writer? <laughs> and right. I've 40 books or something. So it's one of those things where it's that, that doubt never ends, but you just have to have something like this engine to basically go, but it doesn't matter. I want to find out what this next story is. I want to go live in that world. I want this to be the way I make my living. I want this to be what I contribute in life. And so you have right. to have that kind of drive, I think, to get through this. Because it may be 10 scripts before one really finally gets made. It's very tough. It's amazing to me any good movie gets made, and a lot of good movies get made, and even any bad movie gets made. Because you have to get a city together to make the movie, basically. Right. You know, you're getting so right. many people and craftspeople. And you have, unlike a book where, honestly, I can self-publish now direct, pretty directly. I don't need that many people. I use a cover designer and a proofreader, those kinds of things. But with a movie, right. you have to get kind of a small city or a big city together to make it. And that's very tough to do well. Um, but there's so many great craftspeople and artists and creative people in 
that Hollywood structure that it's fun. It's fun. I love the conversations I have with them. I yeah, love, that's one how... of the highlights. One of one of the highlights of purity. I'm not going to say who because the, the project fell apart and it wasn't this person's fault at all. But there's an actress whose work I have loved since I was in my 20s, and she's wonderful. And she was committing. She committed to playing uh, the mother of the young woman in Purity, and one of my favorites. And so when I when I found that out, sort of mid script, I because uh, the first act had gone out to actors and then the novella for people to like consider. Um, I was like, oh, I know that actor so well. I'm going to completely write for her. I'm going to completely fashion this for what I think she's really great at. And so one of the highlights, despite that movie not being made, is through the director, I got a note from her saying, tell Doug I will be in any movie he writes. <gasps> oh, Which was really, I really, I, I mean, listen, I don't, know, I don't know if it would actually happen, but to hear that from an actress I've long, long admired her work, I was just sort of like, oh, that was a great moment to have within the writing. Right, um, yeah, so, for sure. And the director himself and his producer, I mean, I was just, I'm still blown away. I still talk to them. We're still talking about another project coming up in the winter. So there's yet another thing on the horizon that has to do with my Harrow series that looks like we'll probably try to move forward on it. And another producer who I'm dealing with outside of the partnership, uh, meaning meaning they just come to me related to my books, um, just optioned uh, my Vampiricon series. And so that happened this year, too. So actually, I will wow. participate in that in some way other than just being the optioning. Yeah, so there are actually, I think, five projects around. The two scripts I've written and... Um, Two that are optioned and one that looks like it's heading towards option based on this project this winter. So, so to me, it's that numbers thing. You do as much work as you can, and you hope something takes off. For sure. And do you think the purity thing is dead forever, or do you think it will no, come back all. to life not if they can plug that hole? Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, I think it it, it is going to get made. I just think, I'm, I mean, it's very weird because other producers outside of this said to me, Doug, just so you know, that moves faster than any project we've ever seen. So it's normal for these things to take one to two to three to four to five years. And I was like, oh, okay. can we just make sure I'm still alive when it's <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see the movie. <laughs> I would sort of like to like know it and maybe enjoy the spoils of war in it. Um, right. But no, I mean, right. So this was moving. Purity moved so fast that when it didn't happen, and I was disappointed. It really was people I know in the business basically talking to the, this is you know no one ever thought and by the way no one who touched that script thought it was a bad script they all said it was a great script there were other issues going on around it because it's a very weirdly enough it has an uncomfortable subject matter in the story and i think that was in current a current climate that was a little bit more tough at the moment um because the story is really about two, two psychopaths <laughs> sociopaths i mean it really is sort of like and and there's there's sex in it. I mean, it's it's just it's a very dark coming of age story. Purity is. It's not. It's about people who are absolutely impure. Um, but but this, one of the characters feels that what he's doing is, has a pure motive, even though it probably doesn't. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of an uncomfortable subject matter in it, and I think that was a problem. But I think in general, I think it's going to get made, and I have high hopes for it. I mean, it's, what's great about the director is he said he. He, the story haunted him for 20 years. 
And that's why oh, he was it. 20. And that's why he wanted to do it was because he, he really had been thinking about it all those years. So it's really a great honor in that way. And I think it'll get made. It's a good script. Listen, I reread it recently. I'm harsh on my stuff. It's one of the best things I've ever written. And it's a script. I mean, I was like going, wow, this is better than the novella. It's a really good script. Um, and again, I wasn't alone in this. I mean, there were people that touched that script. Um, there were people that gave me notes on that script, which in my my take on it is it's a way I have a, I have a partner on it. So we literally would go back and forth. I did not completely write that alone. So I'm not trying to even put out there that it was a Bud Clegg only effort. I, but I think it's going to happen. Oh, great. We'll all have That's to watch today. for it. <laughs> just not today. Oh, I hope well. you live long enough too. I hope you live long enough too. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I had, um, Steve, I don't know if you ever read the Meg books, Steve Alton, but um, my kids yeah, read yeah. them and I read them. We read all the books. And so when the movie was finally coming out, I had him on book lights and he was talking about that, that, that movie had been underway for like 20 years. It got options oh, yeah. before the original book came out. And he said yeah, that he was... had no idea because he was so innocent then, but people would option it because it had amazing scenes in that book. Like, you know, the shark shooting up out of the water at a helicopter and you know, all right. this stuff. But he said that people would option it, but water movies are really expensive. And right. so then the option would expire and then they would get so close. They've got funding and then it fell through and all this kind of thing. But now that CGI has kind of caught up to all these other things, it could finally get made. But he goes, I've made more off movie options from the book than yeah. he did on the book, <laughs> the royalties for books. <laughs> well, wait a second. You know, he made a lot of money on that book. That was a big deal. When that book came out, I was it around. It was a big deal. I was it was so he's listen. That book has been good to him. He created it, and I remember with the movie, and I think even the book, it sold on a treatment because it was such a strong story idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so he he really like yes, that was a long wait for that movie. I have to admit, I was surprised <laughs> yes. it took so long, given that it had such yeah. a, such a great appeal. Because um, I remember it was described as sort of um, what's the word? It was Jurassic, Jurassic Shark Jaws. Jurassic Shark. That was, <laughs> yes. that was it. Mm-hmm. which is a great uh, – as soon as you hear it, you go, okay, I want to see that movie. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, no, these – I mean, listen, I listen. I, I heard from a, a friend in Hollywood, like, get out to 10 years to get to the screen. Like, there are these movies that we think of as, like, instant hits and appealing to people, and it takes a long time at times for those mm-hmm. things to happen. So right. I, 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 can't, I can't expect to just get into this business and expect everything to fall in place, but I am having fun, and I've learned – you know, there's something about as you go through life. When I was young, I couldn't wait to get out of school. But when you're in, when you're in life and when you're really into it, for you're committed to what you're doing, learning is such a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so it's been such a pleasure to be able to work with these professionals, to be able to work on these, these scripts, to have a partner who is much smarter than I am about all this stuff, um, and who it really, and, and luckily I also have a partner who appreciates what I do, which is really nice. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, uh, and I don't mean my husband. I mean, like my, my, like Laurent, my friend Laurent, like to be able to work with a friend, to be able to work with friends actually, or people who become friends. Um, one producer I know, in my opinion, has been, become a very close friend. And uh, whether we ever work together or not doesn't bother me because I just love her. Uh, she's smart. She's funny, and I love the conversations we have about story, movie, and books. 
so it's been a great world to enter into um, with that. So I, I feel like I'm taking up too much time talking about this, Lisa. Clearly, I should say something <laughs> scary. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I do want to talk about something new you have book-wise because I saw all over your Facebook page you have new hardcovers. You're bringing your books out in hardcover, oh. and people can get signed hardcovers. So tell us about that, Halloween gift. You're so, <laughs> you're so nice to mention that. So the art publishing company, which is a very slow publishing company, obviously we got our book, my books into eBooks. Raul and I, Raul and my husband, got it into eBooks, and then we went the, got them into paperback. And then um, we were going to do hardcovers through Ingram, but Amazon started this hardcover thing where you can publish in hardcover. And so we put that together. I mean, it's 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 a it's a pricey process, meaning. I have to go back to my designer to get every paperback cover redesigned for the hardcover format. Right. Which isn't pricey individually, but when you have a bunch of books, it is. So I, I've been right. doing that. And I think I, have, I think I have 11 books going up now. Uh, eight are up, and then three more just got put up, so they should be launching within a few days. And, um, you know, and then what I do is I also sell them signs to, to fans who want to buy them directly from my office. And um, I just I, I have to admit they were all in. When I look at the hardcover formats that came in and the covers, I'm going, "Oh my god, they look so good!" It's amazing to me yeah. how beautiful these look. The company that did my covers, Damon Zah, to me is one of the best cover designs. So to have those covers that were on the paperbacks and ebook, but also on the hardcover, it looks so beautiful. And it's given that they're print-on-demand hardcovers, that technology has just gotten so much better than it used to be. Um, right, it's for amazing. sure. It is, yeah, it's amazing. And I do know that in New York Publishing, they often use that technology for backwards books and things to, to get them back out very quickly. Um, right. You, you can't tell the difference. It really is hard to tell the difference uh, between a regular trade hardcover in the store and one of these. So it's very amazing. It's amazing to me how this technology has changed everything. So, yeah. So yeah. And that. And if people go to your website, is there a spot that they should click to order a hardcover, signed hardcover? Right now, as you've experienced, my website's a little slow, and I think my web person, uh, who is wonderful, uh, I want to recommend them as a design service, Dina Warner Design. I love her stuff. Anyway, I, I believe that's in process of, like, being fixed in some way. Because I think oh, okay. it's a, the slowness of my website it has to do with, I think, that the it's a WordPress-based site, and so it's the WordPress communicating with a PHP, which has to be upgraded, and it's a whole mess I don't understand. But they can go to my website, or they can just just go to go to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Douglas Clegg one S and Douglas Douglas Clegg, and they can find information there about it. Um, okay. So, yeah, I'm not as organized Great. as I should be on that at the moment, but I think once I get a few more books in, I'll be able to do an entire statement through my newsletter and get information out for readers. And do you have, do you have something special for like your Patreon people? Do they get access to hardcovers and stuff too? (laughs) Do people join over there? No. So, so yeah, (laughs) they can join Patreon, but here's my Patreon thing. I set a Patreon up, not as a regular, you get charged or whatever. It's it's actually so that I, it, it would put me in a corner to finish projects and put them out through Patreon so the Patreon members can get different levels depending on what they want, and they would oh. basically get a short story or short novella. But what that's turned into is I've only put one out in two years. 
So luckily, <laughs> they don't get charged. They only get okay. charged that fee if I put something out. So most of people, people that are very patient with me, I, I if the script stuff hadn't come up, I think I would have had a couple of things out. But it came up, and I felt I had to jump because I really wanted to jump. I wanted to try it. But what happened was it took my creative energy completely away from stuff I'd been working on. So right. I have not come back to it yet. So, yeah, even though I'd love for people to join my Patreon, at the moment it's a little dormant. It's a little dead um, over there. Okay. It ain't dead. Don't use that word. <laughs> it's dormant. <laughs> it's like winter. It's like like winter, like when the witch puts the snow down. Or no, does the poppies and they all fall asleep. It's yes, a, they all fall asleep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's dormant, and I, I'm hoping to get back to that ultimately in the new year at this point. Um, and, uh, but again, nobody gets, they can sign up now and that would be great. Nobody gets charged a penny okay. unless I deliver a short story. Okay. So, um, and so, that kind of dovetails into what, what's next for you. You're working on all these scripts, but next year, do you have book ideas that are bouncing around in your head now dying to get out? I, I'm still working on other things. I just haven't finished them. So I, yes, I know pretty much what I'm going to do. If I say it, I'm afraid I will jinx it. But my plan is to bring a book out next year and a collection out. The collection will come after I put a few more stories through Patreon next year, which is my intention. And then the the book, I should have that pretty much ready to go in February, which means it will probably be summer when it comes out. Meaning, you know, I'll, Will I'll put you it publish it yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's what I love right. doing. I, I mean, right. I would love to do um, one of the New York houses that I, I love, and I know many people in those New York houses over the years having worked with them, and I would love to take it to them. But what I love about self-publishing is the um, – it's not just the one sale. It really is the fact that the books keep being sold and, and being found by readers over the years, and – I can determine if they come off the shelf. I can get to determine uh, where the price point should be to, to attract readers. I like those things because I, I got to a point where I don't like giving those that power essentially up to another company. Right. My, 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 now, things have changed in publishing in the last 10 years when I haven't been in it. But before, what happened is that, you know, I'd get a book out and the deal would be good and I'd be very happy with my agent. I'd, most, most of the time, I'd be very happy with the agent and with the deal and the publisher and then it would come out, and a few years later, you could, just couldn't find the book. Now, online right. has changed that in the meantime, but it sort of, they sort of do get buried at a certain point. But if you publish something yourself, what you can do now, and you can publish relatively cheaply compared to what it used to be for self-publishing, you set the standard on what you want for the cover. You set the standard on how it's going to be presented, how you're going to promote it. And, and there are books I've promoted for the last 10 years now where I have books that are 30 years old that are probably better now than they did three years after they came out originally. So, wow. so it's one of the, yeah, it's one of, and it's one of these things where, and because I have so many books, it's sort of like a, a, a farm with crops where the crops come back. And what's interesting to me about this whole process is that the books I would call my best five to 10 books, of all my books, there's some that I think, oh, that's a little more special than one of the other ones, maybe. Those are the books that continually, month after month, are still the top five and ten books itself. Um, wow. And, again, uh, the oldest one came out in 1989. So, like, the 31 years, 31, 32 years. And that book 
is still being discovered and still makes the top 10. And it's amazing to me that when I was 20, I really was 26 and 27 when I wrote it, that that book that I wrote when I was in a tiny apartment in North Hollywood, California, <laughs> with never not seen anyone because I knew I had to learn how to finish a novel, uh, right. eating too much pizza, drinking too much beer, um, like finishing my work every night and being so headachy, I would literally go to the bar down the street, coincidentally a gay bar, and I would go down to the bar down the street and I would just sort of like drink too much, go back, knock off, wake up and go, oh, I've got to face this. <laughs> and I got that book <laughs> The done, book's still not and done. <laughs> and it sold. And then what happened was that book still finds readers and readers still find that book. That is amazing to me. Because yeah, I think true. that's the beautiful and, thing about ebooks. Yeah, and and the paperbacks. I mean, it's amazing to me. It's the best thing about the self-publishing atmosphere and the online sales is, and I know writers doing much better than I am. I mean, listen, in, in romance, those writers, some of those writers, uh, I, and I, I never felt romance writers were that well treated in New York publishing. I never felt right. that. I would see these mainly women who wrote them, who wrote amazingly wrote prolifically and wrote books that readers gobbled up thought they were that well treated in your publishing and then i mean some are but 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 then i see these one some of them self-publishing or new people self-publishing and like they create an amazing life for themselves self-publishing for sure yeah, yeah. and i just also see it in a horror horror self-publishing is a active exciting great place to be as a horror writer Yes, and horror is, I had um, Amy Lukovics on last week, and we were talking about that horror is so fun because it's the only way that you can get that scared feeling, but you're safe. <laughs> yeah, that's true, unless you read financial thrillers. <laughs> well, that's true, yeah, don't. <laughs> banking thrillers, that's what scares me. But uh, yeah, no, absolutely, it is. But I, like, and that is true for most genres, right? Because I do think we 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 want to be entertained with story because it allows us to live vicariously through something we may never want to live through. Right. Um, exactly. It's like we can, and you're absolutely right. You get this experience with while being completely safe, or at least physically safe. Mentally, you may go to a dark right. place. You may have a few nights of lost sleep, but yeah. Yeah, um, I think if the, so really if the pandemic point. has taught us anything, it's that dystopia is fun, much more fun to read about than live through. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. And, and so, you know, these genres, they're, they're evergreen. Most genres are evergreen. There are trends, and the trends fall apart at times. But, but mystery, horror, certain kinds of romance, well, maybe it's certain kinds for all of them, like, I do think there are trend romances much more than in many other um, genres, but those trends always cycle back, and there will always be fans for those. Why? Because people love a good romance story. People love a good horror story. They love, they love a good mystery. Those genres are so evergreen. Um, for sure. You, you, it's important, I think, for writers to keep their books on the shelves as long as they can. Um, yes. So... Like, what's your experience with, with publishing, with your books and, and going on with this stuff? I'm, 
Well, I'm still hybrid right now, so I have one series with a publisher, but I self-publish the rest. I would love to be all self-published just because I love the control. I'm such a control freak. Yeah. Um, so so I, I see that in my future, I hope. Maybe next year I'll be all, all indie, but for now I, I do have one with a publisher and one on my own. And um, it is a brave is, new world out there. A, hybrid is a good way to go. Because, there, the, listen, there are huge advantages to being New York Publishing. I do not want to, in my saying this, I do not want to say anything about the advantages of New York Publishing, the advantage of having those professionals. Um, my criticism was this, that a lot of writers um, aren't always treated well in that. But if they really believe in what they're writing and they really have the drive to do it, self-publishing is a great way to go. But believe me, you know, if a New York publisher came to me and said, Doug, we want your next book, and we want this, this, and this, I'd be like, I think I could do that. I think, <laughs> I think that, um, but I'm a little shy on the water. Like, I, I haven't gone back to a publisher. I had booked out, and then I was like, you know, there's something about this that I can't go through the rigmarole at this point. Right. And, par- and part of it is because I learned so much about the book business over time that I, what I learned was like, uh, you know, some of this, is unnecessary, some of the pain of this. Um, and I wish publishers in New York would shorten the licensing term on books. I think yeah. that a, a book that if you, if both of you know, if both parties know it's not working and it's three years after the book's published, those, those rights should be going back to the author unless the publisher wants to do something to retain that book because it's important to them. And then that's another negotiation. Right. Um, when I signed a deal for more... When I signed a deal for Mordred years ago for the Czech Republic, they did their deal, and they had a three-year license, and at the end of the three years, if they wanted to keep the book, they paid the exact same advance, which wasn't crazy high, um, for another three years, and then after that, another three years. Now, that's incredible to me, because I was like, wow, that seems so sane. You know, yeah, they kept the advance right. terribly high. It was like a few thousand bucks. It wasn't a lot. But what they did was they every three years renewed it until I knew they didn't want to do anything with the book anymore. I love right. that. I think I, I kind of think something modified of that, given the option of self-publishing is, is, is a very wise thing. Cause I think it's important to be able to license your own rights and have, and know what that means. And I, I think you're very smart to be a hybrid. There are huge advantages. Listen, advance, advances are, are a huge advantage. Yeah, and, and, you know, libraries and selling audio rights and all that kind of thing, those are all perks that you do get, you know, hopefully you get at your publisher. And so I do appreciate all those things. I appreciate pretty much everything in the publishing journey, but I, I do yeah, really I do like too. the control of putting them out myself. <laughs> yeah, and also the longevity. I mean, a long, books have, a again, these evergreen genres. They have a long period of sales. I mean, I'm, I'm still shocked. I still, when I look at these books, some of the ones that are selling the best are my first five, where I just go, wow, <laughs> books I wrote and thought were dead within three years are right. the ones that year in, year out are basically paying the bills here. Like they're, they're just doing the, doing the job they should, should have been doing all along. And so right. I, think that, I think you're very smart because I, I do think publishers have enormous advantages also to expand readership in a way that self-publishing might not be able to, depending on where they reach, especially in bookstores, obviously. So it's, it's right. that. And also it is fun to work with the team. It, there's a fun point to the business and I loved it. I still miss it. 
But there was that point when I woke up going, oh, I've got to do something different just for, just for my excitement and my interests. Um, right. And, and I also hope that anyone listening, including you, knows that I wasn't trying to slam romance writers by saying I never felt in romance. Like, for instance, I've been in houses where romance completely supported the house. But exactly. then I'd hear the romance writers talking about stuff, and I'd be like, ugh, they're not treated as well as they should be, given that they are both the success and the bread and butter of a lot of houses. And so when, yeah, when self-publishing opened up, and I saw, <laughs> yeah, and when, self, right, and when self-publishing came up and I saw these romance writers that I know just having this career they didn't even know they could have. Right. Um, and it's tough and it's competitive and, you know, you have to stay on top of everything as you go through and that's part of the work. But man, I think it's a great world for writers. Mm-hmm. Definitely. From when I started to now, it's, it's just, it's so comforting to me that I can write a book and I'm not constantly wondering, will this ever get out to a reader? I don't know. This is kind of crossing that genre. Maybe I should right. pull that back. Now I can just write the story that needs to be written. And if no one wants it, I can self-publish it and it will find readers. And that to me as a writer is so empowering and it makes me want yep. to get back to the story, you know, because I know yeah. it's not going to be muzzled because it doesn't know what shelf to sit on, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, we're, this to me, this last five to eight to 10 years when self-publishing really took off, I think it's been, this has been an amazing time to be a writer. Uh, 15 years ago, I might've said to somebody who's where their, their kid wanted to be, Oh, what should they do? I'm like, get as much education as you can figure out another job course so you know that you'll, you'll make a good living and then write and <laughs> right. hope to get published that maybe in sometime between five and 15 years from writing your first book, you'll get published. And then, uh, or maybe one year, but I mean, if you're lucky, but five to 15 years, depending. But now I'm like, well, you know, if they really want to do it, tell them, depending on their age, I'd be like, tell them right after they graduate to live at home for a year and write that first book mm-hmm. and move it along yep. and see how they like the work. And then, cause some people aren't going to like that work. And then, right. and then if they can't find a publisher, self-publish it and go from there. So definitely, yeah. And and I just, self-publishing though, you can't just throw spaghetti on the wall because there's so nope. many books that come out. You really do have to do your homework, figure out how you're going to market it, how will you get the yep. word out, where are the readers, you know. And so it is a lot of work. It's not like you know there's, you're going to hit the lottery. But but it's worth it if you if you can you know make that happen if you don't hate it. <laughs> right, right. The thing is about not hating it and also saying, I, you also have to have an entrepreneurial spirit, and a lot of writers don't. And if you That's really true. don't, you do need New York. You absolutely should be published in New York. And listen, if you if a publisher offers you a million bucks, don't self publish. <laughs> <laughs> because literally a million bucks is probably a better deal. I would agree with that. If a publisher offers yes. you half a million bucks on a book, don't self-publish it. <laughs> but if a, if a publisher is offering you a, a few thousand and you think, wait, I can do this better, I, I want to be an active participant in creating this, maybe you'd pull that. Maybe you'd be like, yeah, maybe not so good. Um, I've, but I've known writers, by the way, who make lots of money who end up self-publishing after a certain point because they're like, I'm just – it's that – I'm tired of fighting the fight to control the thing I write. Exactly. And I think, exactly. I think it that, is nice that to have that control. So, and again, sorry to now take this off in another direction, but having self-publishing as the talk. But 
I'm glad we talked about it because it was fun. I know because it was fun. Well, and we're we're over time anyway, but I have to ask you because it's Halloween week, favorite Halloween movie that everyone should watch this week? Oh, my goodness. You know, I literally am one of the huge fans of the show that's on Netflix, Squid Game. It's brutal. It's it is brutal. brutal. So I have to, oh. But I really, really, really loved it despite it, but it is brutal. I did too. It's, it's it long is. on a million levels, and I loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Um, did, it remind you, did it remind you of the long walk? Well, you know, thing? yes, yes. It also reminded me of Battle Royale, and it reminded uh-huh, me uh-huh. of The Most Dangerous Game, and it reminded me of any movie where a oh, lottery, where people want to win a yeah. lottery. So I think there's yes. a, a large whenever I whenever I write a story, I always think of the genealogy because every story has a genealogy. I was writing something about um, uh, artificial humans at one point, and I was like, "What's the genealogy?" Well, it's basically puppet stories. So ultimately, I made it back through Stepford Wives to Pinocchio, but then even <laughs> further back to Pygmalion, not to Pygmalion and Galatea. It's about bringing something to life that isn't human but seems human, and so I think. Yes. That there's, there's always, and I think there's a long genealogy of what shell, um, Squid Game is. A lot of people will immediately think Hunger Games, but you know, Hunger Games is part of a genealogy that goes to Battle Royale and goes to Dangerous Game, and any, any basically, people need to die to win a lottery, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And, and so I really, and I'm sure there's some Greek myth that's attached to that we don't, I'm not even thinking of, or some Euripides play. So right. I, I did, I loved it. It's wrong on so many levels, and yet it's the most amazing experience to watch, and it really gets your adrenaline up when you're watching it. And your emotions. Yes, yes, it does. And your emotions, um, for sure. That Marvel episode, I wept so bad. It was just so harsh that genius. I needed to take a day break genius, from Squid though. Game. <laughs> but yeah, absolutely. Genius. Yes. genius, though. Yes. Yeah, genius. And so um, yeah. in horror, that to me is the most amazing experience I've had. Um, I, I was not a huge fan of I won't say what I'm not a huge fan of because none of you mean because I think I think there are movies that are good out there in horror. I just saw Dune, which I loved, and it's not horror, but it has horror elements. And um, mm-hmm. I love Dune, and uh, I I'm trying to think of what was the last really great or the perfect Halloween. Well, for me, the perfect Halloween movie movie is not going to be the scariest. It's going to be The Innocence with Deborah Carr, mm-hmm. or it's going to be The Awakening, Stephen Boke and uh, Nick Murphy's scripts from his, their script, and I think Nick was, might have been the director, actually, The Awakening with Rebecca Hall. And I think um, okay. those movies, to me, are what embody what I absolutely love in horror, which is the gothic tradition, um, an edge of horror, but with uh, disturb, more disturbing than horrific. That's my favorite kind of horror movie. Right, right. Me too. I love um, The Others when, yeah, that's, you that's, know. that's in the same line, yeah. Yeah, where even the house has to always be dark because the kids are allergic to sunlight. You know, everything about the movie is creepy, and then it has a beautiful twist at the end, and you're like, oh. <laughs> so I love those very much better than the, you know, the gore shot yeah. scare kind of thing. And, again, that's the, the genealogy, which to me, it goes back to Turn of the Screw, but who knows, it might go back to another, like all those movies, go back to Turn of the Screw. It's a certain kind of gothic, it's a certain kind of situation, and a certain kind of twist with ghosts. 
And they probably mm-hmm. get further back into some ancient story I don't e- I'm not even as aware of. But uh, I, I do like those to me are the movies. Um, the others, I feel like it's a trifecta, the awakening, the others and the innocence. And I would also sort of ah. add Haunting the Hill House, but that's its own category in its own yes. way. That's uh, <laughs> yes. right. But 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 um, but I, but those three to me are of a type, and they go back to obviously the innocence is Turn of the Screw, but they go back to Turn of the Screw, which I reread almost every. There's some books I read every year: Alice in Wonderland, Turn of the Screw. Oh, there are a couple of others, and I always end up picking them up before the end of the year because they just do Love something it. to me. I mean, I just make me feel alive. Yeah, yeah, it's that rush of again being scared but safe. <laughs> and as if there's a psychological enigma or Rubik's cube of that of like turn of the screw that I still haven't figured out, even though I think I do every time I read it. Um, you turn a different one. Still, I'm sorry, what? You turn a different one every time you read it. <laughs> yeah, I go, oh, that's you know. Um, I would say Psycho was also a great Halloween movie. It's it's, it's one of the most fascinating movies in horror I've ever seen. And it's because every, if, the more you watch it, if you notice even what's going on in the background, like there's a background, but my friend Laurent, who is a big Hitchcock scholar and actually has not only done all the behind the scenes, a lot of the behind the scenes movies about Hitchcock, but also wrote, has written books about Hitchcock. And with, I think, Pat Hitchcock, he wrote one. But, um, but in, the, in, in the scene in Psycho, mm-hmm. when she's getting ready to go on the trip and she's packing her suitcase, she goes from one wall where it's desert to another wall where it's water. And that's the, that's her journey in the story. She goes from the desert into water. (laughs) So it's a a really like Hitchcock and his people that he got working for him and how they did it. Everything is so detailed that every time I watch that movie, I find something new. (laughs) I love it. Well, we are so out of time, but thank you so much for doing this. We have to do it again. Someday I'm going to get up there and we're going to have tea and we're going to talk writing all day. It will yeah. be lovely. <laughs> we'll go to the, we have a garden of mythology in the back with a pool and a pond. And there. we'll have tea back there and it'll be really nice. Ah, I love it. I can't wait. Well, thanks for coming yeah. on and happy Halloween. And we'll talk to you next year. Happy Halloween season too, and to your husband. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us on Thank Book Life. You. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.